<clears throat> God, do you have like some water? <laughs> yeah. Golly. Dad. We might just need to restart. No, we don't have to restart. We'll start from the testimony. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I might need to like the clear my throat. Was good, but then, no. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. <laughs> he said, "Good Lord." Two, one, boom! <laughs> Wait, the noise! The noise! Yeah, the there chimes. You go. <laughs> What is up, everybody? Welcome to What's Bay Say, episode 10. Thank you so much for listening in or watching on YouTube. So excited for today's episode. I have a special guest. Mr. Matt is in the building. Special is kind. Thank you for calling me special. I appreciate that. <laughs> you are special. Slightly. He's going to be um, our guest today, and he's going to share with you guys. And he's super wise. He is a youth pastor at Decatur City Church recently. Recently. Congratulations. Yeah, I appreciate that. And um, he's one of my friends. He's a good guy. He is. I asked him because he's funny, but he also loves Jesus. So I'm like, okay, we'll vibe. <laughs> this will be good. So he's going to share his story and some advice and give you guys some male perspective on things, which is great. Come on. Hey, before we get started, I just want to say, um, Bailey has got us up here in Dawsonville <laughs> at the like butt crack of dawn. Like, yep, yeah, it's it, I mean, it's early. I was like, good <laughs> Lord. And I feel like, and you know, this. like when you work in ministry, like you really, you're everybody else's Friday is like your Saturday. Mm -hmm. Everybody else's, our Saturday is really like everybody else's Sunday. So I was like, man, this is typically like when I get some extra sleep. Bailey's like, hey, can you meet me at like uh, right when the sun comes up in yeah. the morning? And I'm like, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, well, I guess <laughs> we'll do that. But we got coffee, which is good. Yeah, we got coffee. That. And it worked out. Like we're, it's going to be so good. And yeah. I was really tired too on the way here. I had to roll the windows down to like wake me up a little bit. Yeah, you got your I'm rainbow good. slippers on. And <laughs> let the people know they can't see it, no, but they should. No, they no. should know. They should know. <laughs> but we're good. It's going to be so good because God's in it. So that means it's going to be good. Amen. Um, Matt, so obviously I'll give. So the way we're friends is kind of funny. Yeah. Kind of how we met. Sure. We had mutual friends um, and we're like running in similar circles. Right. Um, and then we ended up linking up. Shout out to like Reed and those yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then we were like, oh, I like your energy. I like your energy. Sure. We're cool. And yeah. um, kind of have just like supported each other through whatever from afar and then when we see each other we act like we're just besties yeah like, we are besties but right you know right I mean. right um and uh i knew that matt had recently become a youth pastor i knew he has a heart for ministry and helping people and so i thought you know what and ask him to come on the podcast well, and that's so kind and i yes. just and i just want to say too um bailey i love that you're doing this i love that um god's inspiring you in this direction and um and you might not even recognize this but i really do think about you like you are a hub of a lot of young influential christian people and um, I respect you for that. I feel like those commonalities and those a lot of like mutual friend groups is a lot of because you attract a lot of those people. And so I love that you get to do this and um, that this is the direction that you're moving. So Thank shout you. out to you. Shout out <laughs> the fact that you're working hard on this and trying to create resources for people that need it. So Thank you. shout out to you. Thanks for letting me. Thanks for letting me be here. Thanks for being here. You're the man. Um, so to start us off, Matt, I just want to let the people know, and I actually don't know your testimony. Sure. So if you'll share your testimony with us, kind of like the high points and low points and yeah. where you met God and 
all that good stuff, and I might ask you a couple questions, but from wherever you want to start, um, just Matt's testimony. <laughs> sure. Well, I'm from Loganville, which is pretty close to Athens, where the University of Georgia is, and I grew up in a Christian home, um, but a pretty interesting household. Mm-hmm. My mom is actually a first-generation immigrant from the Philippines, so I'm half Filipino, so if you're listening to your Filipino, brothers, <laughs> brothers, I love you. Um, so that was pretty interesting. Uh, my mom grew up in poverty, um, so her coming over to the States was pretty huge. Yeah. And then I also grew up with a uh, really older dad. This is actually his birth year on the back of my arm. I have it tattooed. Uh, he was born in 1943. Wow. So my dad right now is 79. And because of that, I grew up in like a very like untechnologically savvy family. So like okay. I a quick story. I remember when I was in like the fourth or fifth grade, we needed to like print something and we didn't, we didn't have a printer or a computer in our home. And so I was like the one kid in our classroom, like I'm like going up to my teacher and I'm like, Hey, um, uh, we don't have a printer (laughs) and I don't know what to do with that. And everybody else is like, has their printed thing. So I feel like um, growing up with that was interesting. I feel like I kind of had to grow up pretty quick because of that. And I don't know if you're a male listening to this, you might feel this with your family, but I truly felt it with mine that um, I felt like I needed to be the man of the house pretty early. And yeah. I, this is kind of stupid to think, but even when I was young, I'd be like, man, like, I mean, let's say like, let's say someone breaks in, there's an <laughs> intruder in the home and I have an elderly father in a small Filipino, like I'm our first line of defense. And so I'd be like 10 and I'm like, yo, I gotta make sure like, Strapped I gotta up, make whatever. sure like I'm, I'm, I'm right out here. Like if something goes down, I'm gonna have to defend it. So I feel like because of that, um, Matt I had didn't to, sleep. He just sat at the front door yeah, just waiting. I, I, most people have like a watchdog and uh, my family just had me. Yeah. So that was pretty much it. And if noise was going around the house, I'm like, I gotta go take care of this. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I feel like growing up was pretty interesting. I had to grow up pretty quick because of that. Yeah. Um, pretty early on. And this is kind of kicking it off pretty vulnerable. Um, my mom has kind of struggled with like a hormonal imbalance a little bit. I'm mm-hmm. um, kind of on and off for a little, little while. Um, and kind of went through some different medications for that and a lot of different things. And, um, pretty early on in life, my parents used to get into a lot of arguments because mm-hmm. of it. Um, And so essentially it was kind of weird. It was like my mom would just kind of have like these moments, like one time a month, one time every month where she would just kind of blow up. And it was so unlike her. My mom is literally the sweetest woman ever. And uh, she's like famous in Logan. She's worked at Chick-fil-A for like 27 years, like something crazy. But people all across like the Walton County, Gwinnett County area will literally drive out of the way to go to the Chick-fil-A that my mom works at just to see her. That's sweet. So she's shout like famous. Chick-fil-A. Shout out Chick-fil-A. Shout out Hanalette. Um, <laughs> so she's like famous in her hometown because of that. And so she's like the sweet woman and would just have these little episodes where things would kind of just get crazy. And because of that, I I feel like it really shaped my personality pretty early. Mm. Um, and then I kind of uh, made a decision when I was young. I was like, I am going to stop letting what's happening around me influence me. And gonna I'm going to make sure that... I'm okay. I can control what I can control. And I'm not going to make sure that people think that they can mess with me like that because I get to be the driver of what's happening internally in me. So that produced some good things. It produced some leadership traits and qualities, I think, early on, but it also produced a lot of toxic things. Mm -hmm. Um, So later, my um, parents uh, went to a public school. They put me into a private Christian school in uh, the sixth grade. And I was kind of like, one of the only people there that um, didn't grow up in um, that school. I was like one of the only ones that came from a private school, which was pretty interesting. Um, So because of that, um, 
I always felt like a little bit of an outlier at my school. Like my yeah. parents didn't own a business. Um, I didn't grow up there. I was one of the only ones that came from a public school. And, um, and I really, I was saved at the time. I mean, I got baptized when I was in the, like the fourth grade, third yeah. grade or something, but I really hadn't surrendered my life to Christ. Um, so throughout my time there, um, and you know, a lot of Christians listening to this or non-Christians have the same experience where we've been around a lot of church people that have, um, I guess just not stewarded the gospel really well and stewarded what Jesus has done for us well. And I think I saw that firsthand for the first time. Um, and I have like a really like big personality. I'm like extremely obnoxious, like <laughs> I'm loud. And so I feel like because of that, um, I was always like in the front. And But a lot of people, um, I think, just didn't like me because of that. Yeah. And that was pretty interesting. And so I feel like um, I had a lot of friends, but I also had like a lot of like weird enemies at a young age. Mm, I and feel that. So because of that, um, just the way that I saw people mistreat the church and the gospel, I feel like that's what kind of caused me to become pretty wayward pretty early on in life. So like my like crazy phase was really early on in life. I mm -hmm. feel like everybody has that testimony where they're like, I dove into the party scene and then I got caught up in this and the bad people. Well, that was me in like the eighth grade. Okay. Um, so I was hanging out with people that just, I had no business hanging out with. They yeah. were so much older than me. Um, and that became my story pretty early, early on. Um, and I kind of got into some stuff that I shouldn't be getting into, hanging out with people way older than me. Um, and I was just so hurt from the way that I felt like I had been treated by mm -hmm. what we would consider like Christians, what yeah. we consider church people. Um, so I wanted to walk away. I was like, if that's what Jesus is about, then like, I don't want anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I walked away from my faith, like eighth grade to ninth grade year. Um, and it was the worst time of my life. I mean, at the time I had like a 2.3 GPA. Um, the relationship with my family was struggling. Yeah. Um, I felt really broken inside. Um, nothing seemed to be going well. I mean, all areas were just struggling and suffering. And then, um, but I still had a lot of good people. I was still going to church. I was yeah. still involved. I had a pretty strong little friend group. And, um, so because of that, um, I just walked away and got wayward and getting into stuff. And then I just kind of hit my breaking point. There was a day where like I had ran away from home. I got an argument wow. with my parents and it was one of those things where it's like, well, if you don't want to live by the rules of our house, then you can just leave. But I was so just prideful at the time. I'm like, Oh bet. Like <laughs> if that, you want me to leave, I'll leave. Like you think I won't leave. <laughs> so, um, that caused a lot of stuff. Where'd and, you go? Uh, I, so literally I, I don't even think I put shoes on. I think I was just like, okay. And I just like walked out and like <laughs> to the neighbors. Yeah. Well into the woods, man. So I used to live by this uh, rock quarry and I was just like, I'm going to survive out here for a couple of days. It's like, until I figure out my next move, you know, you're so stupid when you're young. He's you're like, like, I'm going to become one with the wolf. <laughs> I'm like, I'm pretty sure that this is a clean like water source that I can drink up from this Creek. <laughs> but this is actually really funny. Like when I walked out that day, like my dog followed me the whole way. And my dog's a freaking crazy animal. Yeah. He never does something like this. And he walks side by side with me the whole time. If you got a dog, shout out to dogs. God's, dogs God's gift to the earth besides Jesus. And, but I mean, because that caused a lot of stuff. And then I got home and just realized like my life sucks. Like I hate where I'm at. Yeah. Um, and then I had heard, uh, I grew up with like a group of friends at the school that I was at. And I had heard that um, one of their dads, who was actually my small group leader at the time, mm was uh, telling his sons who were my best friends, they were like, hey, I don't want you hanging out with Matt anymore. 
Oh, wow. And, um, and that really hurt me because I grew, we grew up together. And, um, so as stupid as I was at that age, I texted him and was like, Hey, um, and now this is so ridiculous. Like I, it's so embarrassing to look back on, but I texted him and was like, Hey, I just want to let you know, I don't know why I feel like your name, my name's always in your mouth. The dad? Yeah. You I texted mean, someone's dad this. Yeah. And it, well, he was my small group leader, which makes it <laughs> a, like a smidget better, but it's just not. And I was just like, hey, I just don't know why. I feel like you're always having something to say about me when I was here. Like, my name's in your mouth. And I just wanted to stop. Like, please just stop talking about me. And that's all I want. So him as an adult who's mature and wise was like, Matt, I don't really know what you're talking about. I'm out of town. And when I get back in town, um, I'm going to come over and we can talk about it. Yeah. And I'm like, great. Well, that's like, that's not what I was hoping for. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't really want this to turn into like a conversation, you know? You just wanted to say what you wanted to say. I was, you know, <laughs> I was so stupid and prideful. I'm just like, I wanted to get off my chest. And it's the same thing, like where I grew up and I didn't want people to push me around. Yeah. Like I didn't want to be bullied. I wanted to control what was happening internally with me. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought the answer to that was always to come out strong, was always to show that like, I'm not one to mess with. Yeah. And so anytime something like that came up, that's just always how I responded. Um, so he comes over um, and he, he had been my small group leader for a while. And um, he, we sat down together and just talked some stuff out and he debunked everything. He's like, man, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never said the things that you think that I had said, or you'd heard that I had said, but, but like, what's going on with you? And he actually cared yeah. and he checked on you. And I'm like, nothing good and I remember he took me over to my bathroom and had me stand in front of the mirror and he was like Matt look at yourself like what do you what do you see right now and I remember looking at my own self in the mirror and just being like I don't even recognize myself wow like I don't even know who I who I am mm -hmm. and we sat down that night and I rededicated my life to Christ. And I really think that is the moment that I really got saved. I surrendered it all. But the problem was, is that I had a reputation for kind of being the kid who hung out with some of the crazy dudes at the public schools. Uh. And I had a bad reputation. I was known as, you know, all the things. And the, and this is such a, such a word for so many people, but like the biggest thing that was in the way of me surrendering my life to Christ is what other people thought of me. Wow. And I knew that if I went back into my school and actually started to live my life for Jesus, that so many people would call me fake. Yeah. They'd call me a poser. They'd call me inauthentic. And I took a leap in that moment was like, you know what, regardless of what people say and think, like, mm -hmm. I'm just going to go for it. Like, I, I wanted to get to a place where I was like, I don't know if I want to fully surrender my life to Jesus, but I feel like if I get to the end of my life and have never tried, then I missed it. Like I missed something. Yeah. I miss what could possibly be truth. Yeah. Wow. So I went back. Um, what's ironic is that next week my principal pulled me into his office, which was a place I spent a lot of time. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, I had like a name plaque on the seat in his office and, um, and he was like, Matt, I feel like I'm getting put in a corner on like your future getting to remain in the school. And I feel like um, I'm getting pressured to make a decision about you and if you're going to continue to attend our school. And, um, But he said, I think that you have potential to do something that nobody that's ever came through the school did. And he said, I feel like there's maybe 
two, one or two other people that I've come through the school that have the leadership potential that you do to really mm. do something cool in this world. Wow. And I'm not going to let you go that easily. And he was like, so this is what we're going to do. You're going to meet me in this office every morning at 7 a.m. You're going to be open about what you're thinking, what you're frustrated about, what's going on in your life. You're going to talk to me about what you're reading in the Bible. And then we're going to pray. Wow. And we did that every day until I graduated high school. That's and amazing. It absolutely changed my life. My principal was actually a pastor. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it changed my life. And so from there... Um, you know, and I feel like a lot of times we display our testimony as like, man, when I met Jesus, like it changed everything and it did. Yeah. But that was a process for me. Oh yeah. And, um, and so I'm going to skip through a lot of the details with that, of Mm -hmm. that process. But essentially I graduated high school with 3.4 out of a 2.3 before I got saved. I'm not saying if you get saved, it's going to boost your GPA, but it (laughs) did. But it could. (laughs) But that's what happened with me. Like, because in, for example, like my, our academic Dean brought us in and we were building our class schedule and she was like, uh, and I was pretty much like, Hey, can you just put me in like the lowest math, the lowest English? Like you can maybe put me up in like a better, like a better science because like, I don't know, but like, just put me in the lowest classes. And she goes, Matt, absolutely not. She was like, you had the second highest ITBS score in our school. Oh, wow. And you're not dumb. You're just lazy. And I was like. That's a word for someone. (laughs) Yeah, take that in. And I was just like, oh, dang it. Like, I'm exposed. Like, I am lazy. Yeah. But when I gave my life to Christ and started caring about everything, looking at everything as stewardship and wanting to – steward the things that were in front of me and work hard and make life what I feel like it could be and work towards like living a full abundant life. I, I never made another B until I got to college. Wow. That's awesome. And never made another C until I got to seminary, but we'll talk about that. <laughs> but, um, I never made another B in high school from the moment that I gave my life to Christ. Cause I just started caring That's and, so and there was life in my spirit and my heart again. I graduated three, four. Um, I graduated with an awesome group of friends. Um, and it changed everything for me. Yeah. So I, I truly believe that when we meet Jesus and you might be listening to this and you're not a Christ follower or you're not a Christian, but all I know, you know, is that when I gave my life and surrendered it to Jesus, it changed everything for me. Yeah. And the path that I was directed towards was so broken and lonely and everything was a disaster. And when I made that decision, it changed everything for me. That's awesome. I graduated um, high school. I went to Kennesaw State. Um, and I had known that. So what was interesting about like my where I was at in high school was um, we got a lot of the students that were kicked out of a lot of public schools nearby or a lot of athletes that like never would have got playing time in a big high school. Yeah. So they would come to our school because it was like instant like playing time. Mm-hmm. But so I was an athlete and then I felt like those became like a lot of my friends. Mm -hmm. But then I was also friends with like the stereotype of I feel like what my school was built for. Um, So I like had the like, you know, the sweet like white Christian friends, but then also like all of my sports friends who were not saved and not churched. And so I became this like weird middle ground. And I already started to see when I got saved, like God used my life to be like, hey, they're my athlete friends that came from other schools Mm -hmm. will never probably talk to my other side of my friends, Mm. but they'll talk to me. Yeah. You were bridging that gap. And it was just this weird realization. And I was like, man, I don't know if some of those guys will ever 
give their life to Jesus or ever try church. But if they can graduate and be like, yeah, but Matt was my boy. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, like, Even just I'll a take good that. friend to them. For sure. Yeah. And so I was like, I think that says more about the Jesus and the gospel than anything else. Yeah. And so I already started to see that. And I feel like God started to put deposits of like, Matt, I want you to do this. Like, this is what I've made you for. So I went into college and I had this plan where I was like, yeah, like I want to do something with like communication. Um, and I know I'm going to end up in ministry one day. I just like mm-hmm. knew it. And actually like in the sixth grade, even really before I surrendered my life to Christ, they, uh, or maybe this was the fifth grade, but they passed around like a note card and we're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I had no idea what I was writing, but I wrote a pastor wow. and, um, and I didn't even know what that was, but <laughs> that was what I wanted, you know? And, um, and so I was like, I'm probably going to end up doing that one day. Mm-hmm. But I was like, but I don't want to like be broke. Like, I don't want to eat ramen noodles for the rest of my life. Amen. And so, um, I was like, you know, my plan in college was like, I'll go to college, I'll major in something, I'll try to make money, and then I'll end up in ministry once I've like built a firm foundation for my life. And that just wasn't what God had. (laughs) And uh, I came in, I changed my major like six times in college because of that. I was trying to figure it out. And, um, and I had a friend who looked at me one day, I was like wrestling with that, like what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. And she looked at me and was like, Matt, everybody that meets you knows that you're meant to do ministry and you're just the only one that needs to accept it. And I was like, oh, dang it. Like, <laughs> I knew Because I knew she was right. Yeah. And so the next week I was like, you know what? I, I'm going to go full head after it. And if I'm broke, I'm broke. And I'll just live with it, but I'll live happy. And yeah, I'll live content. Fulfilled. I'll live fulfilled. And so I went head first after it. I actually graduated college in two and a half years. I took a full course load every year semester that I mm-hmm. could just to make sure that I could get out early. Um, I wanted to go to seminary cause I thought that's just like what you do. If like you want to work in ministry, like I didn't know. Yeah. I was like, it's just like go to seminary. So that was my plan. Um, and then, uh, at the time I, uh, went to a college ministry called the living room that was, um, based out of Woodstock city church, mm-hmm. um, which caters to a lot of like Reinhardt and Kennesaw state students. Um, and I'd always like been friends with pastors. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't understand like the big mega church thing. Um, and so their pastor, Samer Masad, I was pretty much just like, you know, he looked like me. He was, a, he was like a, you know, a brown guy. And I was like, this dude's a pastor. He looks like me. <laughs> he was cool. Like he was funny. We had similar personalities. And so like, we, I just like met him and I was like, Hey man, can we just like grab lunch or coffee? Mm-hmm. And, um, and he became a mentor to me in college. Um, and then I actually ended up this kind of full circle back to the position that I just stepped in at. But, um, I applied, I was about to graduate. I applied for an internship with his team on the living room. And uh, he meets me after he's like, Hey Matt, um, I got your application for the internship. I'm thinking about just throwing it away. And I'm like, bro, what? Like, I thought, I thought we were cool. Like what? I thought we were homies. Like what? And he was like, I think you should apply for this thing called the residency program. And I was about to graduate. I had no idea. I was like, I guess I'm just going to like go to seminary. (laughs) Like, I guess that's just what you do. Yeah. And, um, and he was like, I think you should apply for this thing called the residency pro- program. Why don't you meet me tomorrow and we'll talk about it. And so I come over there tomorrow, we get coffee and he's like, yeah. So essentially it's like this way that you can work part-time ministry for one of our North Point campuses and then also be a part-time student at Dallas Theological Seminary, which is where I wanted to go. Mm. And North Point will pay for half of it. Full circle. And so I was like, yo, if they're going to pay for half my seminary, I was like, dude, I don't care what, I'll let you punch me in the face for half <laughs> off seminary. Like, I don't care. So that's all I heard. And I was like, dude, I'm down. Yeah. And I didn't know anything about North Point. I didn't know anything about the network, the organization mm-hmm. of North Point. Um, but I just was like, 
half off seminary, like you can count me in. And yeah. so um, I got into the residency program. It was this program that Samer actually helped build because um, he was a DTS student. And I was like, great, man, you had this whole thing this whole time. I've like been wandering around not knowing what I'm going to do. And uh, you've just known like this has been going on. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks for telling me the last moment. <laughs> um, so I jumped into the um, North Point residency program. Um, which I'm actually still currently a resident. Um, it's a two-year program where you get cool, to work cool, at cool. one of our campuses and I go to seminary at the same time. And so I was actually a uh, place at Buckhead Church. I worked with Buckhead Inside Out mm-hmm. um, for about a year and a l- little change. Um, and then I was there for a while and then was offered the uh, Inside Out director position at Decatur City, mm-hmm. which I never thought would have happened at yeah. this stage in my life. I mean, I was working for an Inside Out director not thinking that one day I would be sitting next to her, like at the yeah. director's table. And so um, I started there like at the end of January. So cool. Um, it's been so interesting. And Decatur <laughs> has been such a challenge. And um, that's something, you know, we can talk about or not. But um, Decatur has been such a challenge. It's, it's an interesting demographic. But it reminds me so much of my story. Yeah. And um, Decatur, uh, the students are so different but so beautiful. Yeah. And, um, and so I've been there and just been grinding away and it's just been a dream come true. It's my dream job and, um, and I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. So sweet. Yeah. Oh, well there was a lot to be taken from that. I mean, the way you grow up has a lot to everyone. The way that you grew up has a lot into the person you are now. So I think if you've never gone back and either like written out your testimony, or if you're not a Christian, just like write out your story and kind of why you may be the way that you are and what's who's impacted you and what has impacted you and turning points and low points and high points, because it's so, so powerful. A huge part of growth as a person, as a Christian, as in any aspect is reflection. So looking back on why things are the way that they are and how you got to where you are. So I think that's what you did. And it's a beautiful story. Yeah, that's great. And then I have some questions now that we Man, know. Far away. Yes, yeah, come now on. Now we know about you. We're both going to just answer some questions and we'll have to do a little bit fast answers because I do want to get through all of them. But the first thing is um, not Christianese, not like <laughs> your basic uh, Christian answers, but I'll go first. So what do you look for in a significant other? Oh, as a 20 year old, because this was one of the most common things people send in. So for me, and I've shared a little bit about this. Um, I think obviously love Jesus. That's like a given, but the second thing to me is kindness. So Mm. being nice and being kind are different to me. Like if you're nice, you're just a surface level. You say, Hey, you pet dogs. If you see them, whatever. We love dogs. We love dogs. But kindness is, um, more so your actual character is kind Mm. and it's, it's a, um, like I put others before me type of vibe. So kindness and I guess humility go hand in hand for me, just really kind to everyone. And then funny, have to be funny, have to laugh together, have to have fun together. Uh, And then I have more things like loves kids and gets down to the intricate details, loves dogs. If you don't love dogs, then I don't even know why are we going on a date in the first place. Um, And for me, like spontaneous, they don't have to be as spontaneous as me because that might be kind of crazy, but, um, <laughs> nothing would get done. Yeah. yeah. Open to <laughs> my randomness and kind of goofiness. And so, um, that'd be great. And then I have more personal things that I'm praying for that I would say, okay, this is kind of how I would know that this is someone I could really consider. So there's going to be, I guess there's scales to it. There's going to be more 
off the bat, these are what's important to me. And there's going to be more intricate, like me and Jesus have prayed about this things. And I believe, which this is a Bailey thing, I believe that you should keep those more intricate details of the smaller Maybe if it was like, which this isn't mine, but maybe if it was to be a worship pastor or whatever, if you want to pray for that, I think that those type of things stay closer to your heart and they're more prayerfully discerned. And because the hard part about it is when you tell someone I'm looking for blank, then they can become whatever you're telling them if they're given kind of like the ingredients to it. So I think you have your standard of these are kind of what I would look for in a person, but then the more intimate details that you want in a person keep that close to your heart and see without you ever vocalizing it see who's checking them off see who's operating in that and then that's kind of how you know but what are some qualities just like off the bat that you would say as a 20 year old male who is single (laughs) what would you (laughs) let's just throw that out there (laughs) what would you say you look for uh that could be helpful to guys and girls what to look for yeah well before we get into that i just want to say um this is really interesting because dating and relationships are different now than they've historically oh, ever yeah. been. And we know that, but um, this is pretty interesting. A Barner research study asked uh, a focus group a question of how many of you want to be in a monogamous, or I think I said that right, mm-hmm. long-term relationship. And 60% said that they do, 40% said that they don't, which is the highest number statistically of people who would never want to be in a long-term relationship wow, ever. And so this like caused all this upheaval. I mean, it's, it was like the largest number of people who'd ever said that in history. So it caused a lot of these like, well, maybe marriage is an outdated system. Maybe we should do these like two-year contracts. Maybe we should enter in. We I mean, don't do that. <laughs> all different kinds of things that people that really arose from that yeah. happening in culture. But here's what's interesting. They asked um, the same focus group, how many of you how many of you um, do not want to be alone for the rest of your life? And 92% said that they don't. 8% said that they would be okay with that and cool. So pretty much you're asking the same question, mm-hmm. but just asked a different way gets a different result, right? So it's like, I don't want to be in a long-term relationship for the rest of my life, but do you want to be lonely for the rest of your life? Well, I don't. Mm. And so that was really interesting. So I think even with that, is that we don't want to be lonely, but then more people ever think that they don't want a long-term relationship, which is kind of like opposing to each other. You know what I mean? So that caused all this upheaval. And and it's because like all that to say, like we're confused, like we don't know what's going on. And with relationships, like with culture changing so much, we Mm -hmm. don't know how to navigate them, which is probably like a lot of the questions that you gathered from your Instagram question Mm -hmm. last week were so centered around dating. It's like, what do we do? How do we do this? Like, who do I do it with? And so, man, I think for me, like I've got some personal things and then I've got some things that I think like are more of the concrete that we follow, but I, I think for me, for anybody listening to this, if you're a Christian, yeah, this might be a little bit different than if you're not. But if you are, mm-hmm. the number one thing I look for is this, because it's the number one thing I think I got wrong when I was in college in looking for relationships is this. I'm eager. Are they serving in a local church? Okay. And I think that filters through a lot of things, because I think here's the weird thing for people like us is that... Um, you already have a small pool of like moral people at our age, right? (laughs) Like so many people right now, they're still building their identities. They're still finding out who they are, what they believe. So people that really have that like foundational, 
identity work done and not done, but like at least constructed yeah, or began construction of their identity. That has already reduced your pool down. Yeah. And then when you become a Christian, that already cuts that in like maybe half. Yeah. So you're already working with a small pool in the first place. Like, so it's like, great. Now I went from the world to like 40% of the world <laughs> to like 2% of the world. So I think that, um, what happens and what I've seen in my own life is like a lot of people are looking for a Christian relationship. But in my opinion, we get so infatuated when we see somebody that like could love Jesus. And, and I, you know, and this might be different for a lot of people, but for me, it's like, I think that it's pretty easy to discern. Do they just, is Jesus just a part of their life or like, is Jesus their life? Yeah, that's really good. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. because it's like, do they just have the Instagram bio Bible verse or Mm -hmm. is like the Bible verse actually in their heart? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so I think it's pretty easy in today's where like, yo, most people might have a Bible verse in their bio. I do not, but I'm still a Christian. My actually, you want want to know my Instagram bio? What's your bio? It is, I'm still a Christian, but I can still destroy any Drake verse pretty good boy and so um i I don't even know what my bio is but (laughs) it's probably like live laugh love maybe something like that (laughs) pull it up no let's expose it look i'm interested oh gosh i'm trying to hurry you're on the clock it is real girl with some really big dreams (laughs) (laughs) i think that sounds like a country song no 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 i was going off of (laughs) i got a really big team we got some really big dreams oh it was a drink quote okay yeah yeah. big dreams I'm with you. So it's a great quote. I feel that. that. But I feel like a lot of people, like Jesus is just a part of their life. And it's like, or is Jesus actually your life? Yeah. You we're know? also judging who we're going to date off their Instagram bio. Mm-hmm. So just know that. Oh, well, that's one way that it's changed, just right? know that. I'm just kidding. I mean, like, that's one way it's changed. Like, we have this first glance of when we see somebody is now all digital. And it's super interesting. I, I think even when we actually look at dating, like Ben Stewart talks about this a lot, that... Um, historically all churches had like a, or not churches, all communities had a common place where there would be a lot of activities. There'd be small businesses, mm. there would be the marketplace. And that's where community was centered around. So everybody in a community would really work their way towards this like square of a hub of people. And now we don't have that. Like yeah. society doesn't work like that anymore because that common place, that square is digital. Like it, it is now like our phones. I just got a phone call right now. I just had to hang up <laughs> because that's what happened. Like that's our, that's our commonplace now. Yeah. So it's just changed. So I think when I look at it, it's pretty easy to tell. And it adds another layer. If I'm just being honest, cause I'm like a pastor now, it's like really weird now where it's like, Hey, well, not only do you like Jesus, like, do you like the Bible, like, do you like surrendering the life that's surrendered to Christ? But like, is this your whole life? So I think that a lot of that gets filtered through. Are you serving and involved in a local church? Mm-hmm. And if I can just pop off on that for a second, because obviously I'm really passionate about the local church. I think yeah. God's vehicle to save the world is through the local church. And I feel like when I look back on my college experience, the biggest regret I have it's not necessarily the nights that, I mean, yeah, I regret the nights that I might've went out. I regret the nights that mm-hmm. I might've stayed up too late. I regret the times that I didn't study hard enough. But what I regret 
is not getting involved in a local church community. Yeah. Because I think that's how God intends to change the world. And I think that's a helpful filter to think through because I think even, and you probably see this in a lot of the mutual friends that we have and in the, the um, commonality of young Christian people that we can see is like a lot of people want to be a part of a church because it looks good, Mm -hmm. but they don't want to be a part of a life that's surrendered to Christ. And so I think that just adds like a helpful filter there that I feel like I always look for. So essentially like part two of that is like, Hey, if we're not getting our relationship with God right, then how do we expect to get a relationship with someone else right? You know what I mean? And so it's just kind of like a progressive linear, like how are we going to make sure that we're keeping the main thing, the main thing. So I feel like those are two helpful things for me. I look through, are they serving in a local church community? Yeah. Because one, that shows a lot of humility. It shows buy-in to the sense that I believe in what God's doing to the point that Mm -hmm. I'm going to sacrifice my time. And, um, And then just to continuing to look like, I mean, is this somebody who just like wants the outlook and the morals of Jesus? Or is it like if they had nothing else and only had Jesus left, Mm -hmm. would they still be someone that could be okay with that? That's so good. And so I feel like that's helpful for me. And then so those are kind of just like the main things. I think like the personal, like what Matt would like type <laughs> things are like, I'm like a, I'm like a fitness junkie. Like that's okay. like kind of my thing. Okay. Um, and I feel like a lot of the relationships or that hasn't been understood is like, it's really difficult to help mesh. Um, and really like, and this might be another question, but I feel like something that's so good for my mental health is movement. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like I'm most myself when I'm being challenged. I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I'm a red on the temperaments. Like when I'm being pushed and challenged, I feel like that's when I'm most so myself. Girl. So you can have that common. Hey, figure it would be nice. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so like, I think Matt that also said she bad. When hey, we she got to be a baddie. baddie like, okay. I mean, and for real, like that's another layer of it. I feel like if I, the moments that I'm most honest with myself when I look at girls that I'm intending to date, like pretty mm-hmm. quickly, most of the time, this is not all the time, but pretty quickly you can recognize like, is this somebody that I could look at for the rest of my life? And I feel like we like throw that to the side pretty fast because we're like, looks are temporary. Like one of my best friends always says like, the only thing that doesn't change about a girl is her smile and her eyes. And I'm like, I mean, that's true. But what at the same time, yeah, or like, I don't know, loses an eye or I don't know. But um, so I'm always like, is it, you got to be honest with yourself. Well, like, it has is to this, be chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. Chemistry and like the attraction piece of it is good. It is good. It's and it should be strong. Like, and it should be a lot of energy in the beginning, like you just said. And so I think like if when, the moments when I'm really honest with myself about girls that I'm intending to pursue, mm-hmm. I'm like, Pretty quickly, if I pursue them, I always hit this point where I'm like, dang, am I actually like about this end game? Like, Mm -hmm. is this somebody that actually could look at for the rest of my life? And I'm okay with that. And I always look at it as like the attraction piece should hook you, but then the character and the qualities and the um, personality, Mm -hmm. like the uh, person, you know, energy, whatever, like those are the things that keep you, you know? And so I think that's an important aspect of it, oh, that, it we, that we push aside a lot. But so I think for me, like I, uh, 
I even if they're not like a fit girl, gym girl, whatever. Like I think like somebody that understands the fact that like I I like I need movement. Like yeah. I, I need I need to like breathe heavy and like <laughs> I have when I pray like I don't sit and like yeah. sit still. Like I have to walk. Like when I sermon prep right now, I literally go into our auditorium and I take a bouncy ball and I just like throw it at the wall and bounce it around because that's just how I think. Um, so I think that's important. Like some of those things. Um, so that's one of them. Like that understands like that fitness is really like integral to who I am and Fit um, guy. I yeah. need that. Like I need that. It's just, it's just <laughs> helpful for me. Um, I think the other thing is that, um, like I, like you, you're literally this person, but like, I, uh, I want to be everybody's friend. Like I'm yeah. like the golden retriever when I pop in, like I want to talk to everybody. Yep. I want to get to know you. Like I want to go deep really quick, you mm-hmm. know? And, um, and I feel like for some people that's like super intimidating, like it's an introvert's worst nightmare (laughs) where it's like, I'm going to get thrown into a new environment and just told to survive. That sounds terrible. But for me, I'm like, the endless possibilities. I can't wait to see where that goes. So I feel like that's something for me. Like I always jump in and, um, and I feel like I would just be a drag. I mean, I feel like it's not even something I want. I just feel like if Mm -hmm. I had a girl who really hated that, like mm-hmm. they would just be miserable with me, you know, like, yeah, people always say opposites attract, but I don't always agree with that. Yeah. In that, in that regard, I sure, think. for sure. I think it can in some scenarios, but you have to know yourself and know like where, what your vibe is. Right. And I mean, and so just to close that one, like, I feel like those are some of just the personal things for me, mm-hmm. but I think what's so much more important is like, are you doing the work to realize like, who am I? Like, yeah what is my identity built off of? What are the concrete things? What are the peripheral things? Like what are the things that I know that I need and how can I stick to them and make sure that those remain a priority? Because if they don't and you sacrifice those things, you'll always be discontent. That's good. Yeah. Well, to kind of like wrap up that question and move on to the next one, I wrote down different things based on who we talked about to make it simple for you guys. So when it comes to what you're looking for in a significant other in regards to a Christian faith, I wrote like, who are they? So not just, you know, oh, my name's Matt or my name's Bailey, but who are they actually? Like, what is their character like? Um, What do they value? What is their moral conduct? Where do they come from? Whatever. How do they spend their time? Do they spend their time serving? Do they spend their time helping people? Do they spend their time looking for places and times to show Christ's love? Um, What do they talk about? I think that you can learn so quickly um, through conversation if Jesus really is in the forefront of someone's mind and in their heart and in their spirit because he, it should just be natural, that conversation about Jesus. And then, um, obviously, your physical attraction and all that comes into play. Amen. Amen. Come and on. the church said amen. Let's talk about it. And then the next question, uh, and we do have to go fast. I know we both like to talk. So <laughs> we're going to go fast through the rest of these. So we'll try to keep it like a minute to two for both of us. Um, the next thing is relational fears and how to overcome them. Mm. So um, one of my probably, okay, so I don't know if this is going to make sense to anyone except for me in my head, but my fear is not being alone. My fear is rejecting who God has for me or like overthinking what God has for me because of my walls built up. Does yeah, that make sense? For sure. So it's not the actual fear of being alone. It's kind of the fear of missing out on what God has for me because of my flesh mm. or because of my whatever it is. And um, so with that, I've learned that this is really good advice for actually anyone. If you've ever had your heart broken, like for real broken, not like, oh, we did for two weeks, we broke up, but you genuinely loved someone so much and you thought that that person was going to be your husband in any, or you thought that they were in game vibes. Sure. Um, if you felt that way towards someone and then it didn't work out, 
I, one, I'm so sorry that it didn't work out. And I pray and hope that um, you're okay and that you know that you're going to be okay and that there's another side to it. But secondly, don't want to be insensitive to anybody. Yeah. Um, but secondly, I, I know that when you go through something, which I have, um, like that, that you have to really build yourself from the ground up and kind of cliche, but lose yourself to find yourself. Um, and I think that in that time, uh, a lot of walls are going to get built up because you were hurt so badly. So if a, if a village got attacked by a group of people, then whenever the attack's over and they're cleaned up, they're going to build something and they're going to have some line of defense so that that doesn't happen again. So it's the same way with our hearts. When your heart gets broken or your heart gets tampered with, you're going to, whether you realize it or not, you've put walls up, which is okay because you might weed out some of the bad people by having those walls up. But the thing is, what if someone was coming to give this village some supplies or be an ally or be a good thing? They don't know. So that's where discernment, wisdom, mentorship prayer comes in so please 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 hear me that it's okay to have walls it's okay to have guards up guards can be good and you should have guards to some extent but allow yourself just because you want something bad doesn't mean you're not deserving of something good Mm. so allow yourself to how to overcome what i'm talking about if anyone understands what it is is um allow yourself to feel things and then decide okay is this a safe place for me to put my guard down and if it is then actually put it down because that's better to have loved than have lost and like for it not to work out than to kind of love and then back out and then never know don't live your life with what ifs and what could have been it's like really give people friendships relationships jobs whatever it is give it your full efforts and then if it doesn't work out you know you did what you could do yeah. and you know that you honored god in it and you know that you you know tried but don't be so scared of the same thing happening because what you could be scared of is could be the exact thing that god's trying to bring into your life that's great yeah i know for me i i feel like this is helpful is that when we get to a scarcity mindset, scarcity always leads to desperation. Mm. Desperation always leads to exploitation. So I feel like what happens is when we get feel like things are scarce, resources are scarce, people are scarce. <laughs> Everybody's getting married. Options are <laughs> scarce. We get into a mindset of that and it makes us desperate. And so we start to say like, well, maybe I need to just settle for something less. Mm. And when we get to a place where we wanna settle for something less, it leads to a place where we use other people, we use other things, we use other vices to try to fill that desperation. And so I feel like when those moments happen, it's 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 not true. Like God's plan for your life is not scarcity. Yeah. And I love a mentor of mine always said that the economy of the kingdom of God is increase. Like wow. he wants to put good things in. And when we feel like we're in scarce moments and we're not living in the reality of ourselves. But I feel like on the opposite side of that is when we're desperate, that is actually the best version of ourselves. So if you feel that way in a relationship or you feel that way in singleness, I mean, I think it's weird that Paul in the Bible calls singleness a gift. Yeah. And it's like, what the heck? Like, how, how, thanks God. Like, that's your gift to me is my singleness and loneliness. Like, it's Netflix by myself on a Friday night. But I feel like in those times, it builds those moments of identity. Like, you're never going to find who you are through someone else. Yeah. And I feel like that is a, a common thing that I've run into in a lot of relationships with females is like that 
I'm either looking for a part of myself to be fulfilled in them or they're looking for a part of their fulfillment in me. And that's just never going to work or lead to a place that even, even better said is healthy. Yeah. So, um, I think that's helpful for me. Like, so so I guess like one of my main fears, um, something that I feel like always happens in a a huge fear realization for me is, and I don't know if somebody else can relate, but I always feel like, do they like the idea of me or do they actually like me? That's so good. You know what I mean? And I feel like some people, we fall in love with the fantasy and the daydream of like, oh my gosh, our wedding's going to look like this. Our babies Mm -hmm. are going to look like this. Our our careers are going to look like this. And then we fall in love with that idea. But really, that's a manufactured fantasy. Yeah. That's not an actual person. Like, people are their own thing and we when we get in that scarcity mindset we just want to exploit them again when yeah. we get desperate to move towards a place where it's all about me rather than what will actually like how can my life benefit you like how yeah. can i sacrifice part of my time and my energy and my capacity to serve you well and so yeah. i feel like that's always been a huge fear for me is like do they love me or do they just love the idea of me yeah. like do they just want the cute instagram photos uh-huh. with me and they're boyfriend at the beach so it shows like their life is great (laughs) or do they actually like want me and I feel like that's always been something that I've had to work through I kind of went through and I'll this is the last thing I'll say about this because we have like 10 minutes left and we have a lot of questions (laughs) so we're gonna give short one sentence answers um but uh something that helped me with that is because I kind of felt the same way um in a sense is that when you ask someone so if I ask you Matt, if I said, what do you love about God? Would you say everything that God does for you? Or would you say the character of God? That's good, yeah. So for in relationships, something that's, that's kind of helped me weed out, like, their, I guess, I don't want to say character, but in a sense, hmm. their intentions, I guess. Okay, sure. so if I said, Matt, if me and Matt are dating, and i like, Matt, what do you love about me? And then he's like, well, I love that you buy me shoes, and I love that when we go out <laughs> to eat, you sit on the same side. And I'm like, no, no, no. What do you love about me? Well, I love the way that you make me feel, whatever. And I'm like, no, what do you love about me? Like, do you like my kindness? Do you like my humor? Like, whatever. And so I think that that kind of helps because love is loving what someone can obviously give to you. And that is a good aspect of it. But do they love the core if you are? Do they love that you're a peacemaker? Do yeah. they love that you are that you value families and stuff like that? So that's kind of helped that's me. Great. So maybe that's helpful. helpful to anybody. Yeah, it's helpful. Um, and then the next thing, we'll have to do one sentence answers because we're <laughs> running out of time and I want to get through these. Real quickly, what does pursuing in one or two sentences for you and then one or two sentences for me, yeah. what does pursuing Christ in your 20s look like? You go first. Mm. I mean, that's such a loaded question. I know. I'm sorry. Just so like long. one or two sentences, your um, best piece of advice. I think it has to do with the identity aspect that we find. Yeah. Um, it, I guess the a helpful question to ask is, and I ask myself this a lot and it's a terrifying question, but if I was just a sum of the things that I consistently do, who would I be? So good. Or if I was the sum of my disciplines, mm. who would I be? And that strips away the people, the clout, the recognition. But if I was the sum of the things I consistently do, who am I? That's so good. And even better, am I healthy? Yeah. And so I feel like per the pursuit of true health right now with the integration of technology, with COVID smacking the world in the face, like, mm-hmm. It's so important. And I think that that health comes from intimacy. Like, yeah. and I know this is way more than two sentences, but I had a mentor recently tell me that um, intimacy is when there's no secrets. So good. 
That's healthy. And when we get to a place where we can stand in ourselves, another great quote, Blaine Pascal said this, he said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit in a room with himself. Mm. And I don't want to be a man that can't do that. Yeah. You know, and I would, if you're listening, I'd ask yourself, like, if all the noise was stripped away mm-hmm. and I'm sitting in the quiet moments of my life, like, am I happy with what's there? That's so good. And I feel like if it's not, it is worth making that healthy and full with life and encouragement yeah. and love. Mm-hmm. And I think those things, ultimately, what I found in my life, come from Jesus. That's so, awesome. Yeah. For me, pursuing Christ in my 20s, um, again, it, I could literally have a whole podcast on this, but the shortened version of it, or pursuing Christ in any age, but we're in our 20s, so it's in our 20s, um, I would say there, I don't know, there's no striving. That's mm. what I would tell you in, the, in one little phrase. There's no striving in his presence because... Um, He's good, and he loves you, and he's always there. So I don't have to strive towards him because he's already there. I just have to have an awareness that he's there, and I have to trust him with where I'm at and where he's going to take me. So I would say there's no striving, and trust God within you. Anything that God calls you to, he's going to help you through. So just trust him within you and continuously um, pursue after him in his word and his prayer and worship and accountability and community and he will bless your life. That's great. Um, and then this one, again, these are deeper questions, but I really do want to get through them. And we only have like six minutes. So, <laughs> um, real quickly, this is just for you. And then we'll do one more question. Um, mental health for Oof. guys, resources slash practices that can might help them because for guys it's harder to talk about your feelings and anxiety and all that so as a guy in ministry pursuing christ and some people who aren't christian how do you talk about your mental health how do you overcome it and how can females help you guys yeah well here i think here's the reality like health is holistic and we often only look at health as a one-sided thing and so for a lot of people it's like i only look at health as what i see in the mirror or Mm -hmm. I only look at health as how fast my mile time is or what, how much I'm lifting. But yeah. health is a lot more than just your physical attributes. It's mm-hmm. a lot more than just the physical. It's the emotional. It's yeah. the mental. It's all of the holistic side of health. Um, and I think because of that reality, like we neglect a lot of those other layers of it. Mm-hmm. And But we got to realize like health is health needs to be balanced. Yeah. Like the goal with health is to be balanced. And so I feel like if you're unhealthy in one area, but really healthy in another area, it's almost worth sacrifice. Like if I'm in the gym five days a week, but my relational health is suffering, yeah, I should sacrifice a day or two in the gym to be around community. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like something that's helpful for me, like one of my best friends, Alex, says is he says that um, true health is nothing more than a byproduct of being around other truly healthy people. That's good. And I know that I'm my best self when I'm around other healthy people. Mm-hmm. And when I isolate myself and I'm around no people, then I become extremely unhealthy. Yeah. Like, you know, idle hands are the devil's workshop. And so I would say like, um, you have got to fight for community. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in our... 20s and in young christian community i feel like we're just like yeah go find community and it's like i don't know how to do that yeah but and i i really don't have young the answer groups yeah i mean, I mean they're everywhere and, but that going to a young adults group is fighting for it like yeah. it's saying like i don't have people mm-hmm. and but i'm not gonna settle because i know the importance of what community is and i i mean the, our whole ministry model 
Inside Out is based around that we believe that life change happens in the context of community. Yeah. And so we've got to get around healthy people. And sometimes it looks like riding the coattails of people that are healthy. I've been in a lot of seasons like that. Like one of my best friends, he's a CrossFit gym coach. He's like four years older than me. So we're like in the same stage of life, but he's a father of two kids. He's a Mm -hmm. husband. He's been married for five years now. Yeah. And me being around him is the best thing that I could do for my health. That's good. And just being in his way. A lot of things are more caught than taught. And so me just sitting around with open hands, watching him be a father, watching him be a dad is Mm -hmm. some of the best thing that I could do for myself. And I can't read a book on that. It's just, it's caught rather than taught. So I'd say fight for community. Health is holistic. Don't neglect the other aspects of it. If you're suffering on the physical side, the real reality is you, it might be because you're mentally unhealthy or you're relationally unhealthy and it's worth balancing all those things out. So you are, because I am very pro mentors. Yeah. You are very, in in regards to health for guys too, because guys aren't as heavily mentored as girls are for whatever reason. Um, so you are pro mentors and that is a huge attribute of how you stay. Yeah. And I would say this, you either learn from mentors or mistakes. You either learn from mentors or mistakes. And I would rather not learn through the hardship and pain of a mistake yeah. and learn from a mentor mentor who's already experienced that. Yeah. That's another thing that's hard to fight for. I remember sitting in college and praying God that he would send me a mentor. But what it takes is stepping out of the comfort zone. One of my mentors, he's a lead pastor now. It's so hard to get a hold of him, but I'll just keep texting and I'll yeah. just keep texting. And he will honestly tell me, he's like, I think that's what's really special about you. Like you're mm-hmm. like, even if I can't get to answer you that day, I'm just going to keep texting and texting. And that's what it takes. So fight for a mentor, fight for And you can community. ask a, a helpful thing is if you're praying about, I need a mentor, DM someone like yeah. you, that is a pastor. And that's further along that you DM know, Bailey. DM me. I'll be your mentor. <laughs> DM, DM me. Matt. Yeah. DM we're, me. we're available or we can hook you up. DM us to say, is there someone in my area who maybe in locally who can help us or, uh, small groups and all that stuff. But, um, I think a big part for guys too, is realizing that girls don't think guys are less than when they admit to their feelings. And when they, uh, are vulnerable, we actually think more of you. Mm. So I hope that that helps somebody. Um, it doesn't make you weak. It makes you strong because it's showing that you prioritize your health. And if you prioritize your mental health, your emotional health, your spiritual health, your physical health, I'm going to believe that you're going to prioritize mine in a sense of relationships and friendships. So don't think guys or anyone for that matter, that you're going to cancel yourself out or be like a pansy or whatever. It actually makes us like more attracted to you. Sure. And 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 I'll say one last thing and we can move on, but, and we said this earlier, but your desperate self is the best version of yourself, but it's the part, it's the version of yourself that you'll fight the most. Like when you are desperate for God to come in or you're desperate for community or Mm -hmm. you're like desperate for God to come in and move, like that's the best version of yourself because it's really just a true awareness of reality. Yeah. But it's the version of yourself that you'll fight for most. If you feel like that, go and fight for it. Don't give up. So good. And then the last question and uh, we went a little bit longer today, but it's been really good, so I don't care if it's good if it goes on. Yeah. Uh, the last question is advice that you would give 16-year-old Matt, and mm, then we'll close out. So. Man, I mean, another just bloated one. <laughs> I mean, I feel like where I was at when I was 16, man, I, I think the biggest thing I've had to fight over the years is really just thinking that life is centered around Matt. Yeah. And life okay. is centered around me. I think even in the ministry world, the thing that I see kill so many opportunities for people is pride. 
Mm-hmm. It's because they can't see past the fact that it's not about them. Mm. And I think when I was 16, all I was thinking about was me. And I was not thinking about anybody else. I was not thinking about how I could sacrifice. I mean, I still have moments like that today where I'm yeah. thinking about my gain, my career, my yeah. opportunities, like what's happening in my life when there's the reality is like the world's still moving and operating otherwise. So I would yeah. say like, man, not everything is about you and you've got to kill it. Like yeah. I love a, a pastor that I listen to a lot says that God's plan A is always humility. That's good. You can see that all throughout the Old Testament. You can see it all throughout the Bible. God's plan is always, plan A is always humility. So I would say fight for those moments. Like fight to lessen the view of yourself and to glorify and exemplify not only God but other people in your life. And you'll find that giving away that, giving away time, resources, mm-hmm. energy, whatever, will actually be way more fulfilling than making it all about you anyway. Yeah. So sweet. Oh, yeah. great job, Matt. Patrick. <laughs> that was so good. Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to close this out, but I appreciate yeah, you. Thanks for letting me be here. And your time. Um, guys, thanks so much for listening. I know it was a little bit longer, but like I said, if it's good and it's gold, then we're going to keep it um, long. I want to leave you guys with a couple questions. Um, just want to challenge you to reflect, like I said at the beginning, on why you are the way that you are and um, what you can add into your life to better yourself, what you could take away from your life to better yourself, and what is your role right now in your sphere of influence? Because don't think that you have to do a podcast or be a pastor or do all these great things to have an impact. You can impact wherever you are, whatever age you are, in some way. So I would ask you, what is your role where you are right now, and how can you fulfill that role? Um, And uh, I love you guys. I hope that you have a great rest of your day. And I hope that everyone learned something from this. Go back and take some notes because it's really good. But love you all. Thankful. Send us to a friend. Post it. Whatever. Help get the word out. DM us if you need anything. Yes. Any questions. Embarrassingly easy to find. (laughs) Yeah. DM us if you need anything. Any questions. Come on. Yes. I hope that you all have a great day, guys. And remember to look for the good in all things. And if there's no good, to become the good in that thing. Adios. Woo.